0: There have uh, been just five presidents of Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, the founding president was Lewis Sperry Chafer, and then there was John Walford, Don Campbell, Chuck Swindoll, and then the fifth and final president is our speaker this evening, Dr. Mark Bailey. Uh, it would really probably be impossible to measure the impact the Dallas Seminary has had for the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world, and uh, really difficult to measure even the impact that that seminary has had just on our church, the first pastor of this church, first senior pastor, Joe Wall, was a graduate of Dallas Seminary. The last three senior pastors, all, including myself, all studied at Dallas Theological Seminary. Nine out of our current 11 pastors graduated from Dallas Seminary. The, the other two we just love unconditionally. Anyway. Yeah, as we were taught in class. That's right. Uh, Dr. Bailey uh, now has the privilege of leading the seminary as the president. When I was a student, he was a professor in class. He was absolutely one of my favorite professors. And the reason that I loved going to class here, Dr. Bailey, was because he was not interested just in delivering information, but his passion to know Jesus Christ through his word was um, impossible for him to contain. And it was, as a result, really contagious for all of his students And so it really is a privilege for us uh, to have him come. He is uh, uniquely gifted by God to exhort and encourage God's people. So, Dr. Bailey, thank you for coming. I appreciate your presence here. Please welcome Dr. Mark Bailey.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. What a privilege it is to be here. Uh, When I got the invitation, it was almost two years ago, and uh, it was uh, for this weekend, and I had been committed uh, last year for this weekend up in uh, New Jersey, uh, Newark, uh, the city that shouldn't be. Uh, in, uh, and so it's sort of fitting that it's this, uh, this weekend again uh, that you're having this iLeader conference. Uh, I got to Newark a year ago. And uh, Buck and I had talked about uh, last year, and that didn't work out. And so I said, I'd love to do it. Can I I beg off for a year? And so he uh, graciously said, okay. And uh, so uh, I landed in Newark to go to Hawthorne Gospel Church, where I'd been committed to to speak. And I had my GPS, and uh, uh, GPS doesn't work in Newark. (laughs) I mean, it, uh, it tells you, and I mean, I was going to the Harlan Tunnel into New York when I was supposed to go the opposite direction. And I'm calling Barbie, and uh, and I'm in a, a, a bit of a panic, and I'm so I'm going help, and uh, uh, GPS doesn't work, the directions don't work, and she's going, what do you want me to do? I'm in Dallas, and I said help, and uh, and so uh, uh, ultimately I uh, did a roundabout and got there, but it was just uh, it was just one of those evenings. I was just uh, at the headquarters of Bible Study Fellowship this past midweek, and they they said that every time uh, that they plan for a major event, especially internationally. Satan shows up big time in all different ways, uh, shipping that doesn't happen, I, uh, IT uh, you know, that just goes crazy, and when Satan fell, he fell into the electronics, and uh, 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 that was true this week in my computers on campus, and, uh, uh, and Barbie said just before the time tonight started, she said, God must really be wanting to do something big this weekend, because uh, I had an old professor who said, you, you never get, he, he was a bombardier pilot in World War II. And uh, he's now with the Lord, and uh, that was 30-some years ago. And, and, and he told me, Mark, he said, there's just an amazing thing about ministry, just like it was when I was a bombardier pilot in, uh, in, in the war. He says, you never get shot at unless you're flying over the target. And I've never forgotten that. I tend to, but I uh, shouldn't. But it is, uh, it's great to be here, and I am praying, and Barbie's praying, that uh, God would do a work in all of our hearts, and not just those who hear, but those who speak. Uh, because uh, little do you know that God does uh, as much, if not more, in us as we prepare it, as we work uh, in the Word of God to deliver to you. Uh, God uh, works and shows up in those hours uh, like uh, uh, we can't describe, and so uh, I I need what I'm going to share tonight from God's Word. I have two boys. One is uh, married, and we have three grandchildren through uh, my son Josh and Uh, his wife, Emily. They are both music majors, and he's a a worship pastor in the Dallas area. Went to Moody Bible Institute, met his wife. They graduated with a bachelor's in music, and then uh, we made a deal with uh, Emily that if she would stand by Josh as he came through the THM program at Dallas Seminary, we would stand by her. And so uh, we ended up helping pay for her master of music at University of North Texas, and uh, she's a little opera diva and uh, has a phenomenal voice. And uh, got a, a, a master's in music from the uh, Uni- University of North Texas in uh, vocal performance and pedagogy. So uh, I went to more operas than I uh, would ever uh, have thought I would go to. But uh, she uh, and uh, Josh have given us three grandchildren. Uh, my younger son is getting married two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, he's 28, and uh, I used to tell him, you, you can't fish in a bathtub. Uh, You've got to go where good Christian girls are if you're going to find a good Christian girl to date. And he says, Dad, God's going to drop her in my lap. To which I thought, I didn't say to him, I I hope you enjoy being single. (laughs) You know, if you never ask anybody out, you're probably not going to date. If you don't date, you're probably not going to marry. God's going to drop her in my lap. And uh, that's what God did, and I'm upset. (laughs) The, the greatest compliment that anybody ever paid my son, uh, he, he bought a house, he's a coach and he's coaching tonight and uh, they're playing up uh, in the division and so it's going to be a tough night. Uh, and so uh, we'll find out about 11 o'clock how he did, but uh, uh he, he uh, bought a house and he started going to a church and got involved in the church and uh, the, the greatest compliment they ever paid him and could ever pay my son was they asked him to be on the pulpit committee as they searched for a new pastor. And so as a young single man, uh, about age 26, they uh, asked him, and he sat for uh, uh, every Sunday afternoon for about six months with the pulpit committee and uh, interviewing pastors from all over the country and getting resumes and filtering through uh, surveys of the congregation. And uh, And he sat there, and he really got to know the elders well, and it was just terrific. And uh, they called a pastor, and the pastor and his wife came, and uh, they have a young girl at the church who is a children's uh, director, works in the children's uh, division. And uh, they looked at her and they looked at Jeremy and they looked at her and looked at Jeremy and thought, why aren't these two together? And, uh, and whether they had ever looked at each other, we're not sure. Uh, but they got the youth pastor to say, if, uh, if, if Jeremy would ask you out, would you go out with him? It's <laughs> a good question. And then they asked him, if, if, if Callie would go out with you, uh, would you ask her out? And that's how it happened. And so uh, that's all been going on for this last year. And so uh, uh, September the 18th, uh, they're, they're getting married. Now, now here's the kicker. He falls in love with a girl who has always dreamed of being married in the fall. And he's a football coach. <laughs> Think about that. Praise God for bye weeks. <laughs> that's how it's happened. That's how it happened. So uh, he's going to coach on on a. Uh, you know, we're going to have the rehearsal dinner on Thursday night. He's going to coach on Friday night. He's getting married on Saturday. Uh, they don't have a game the next week, so they're, they're going to the Dominican Republic for their honeymoon. And then they're going to come back, and he has a full week before they play the next game. So uh, it just they just slid into marriage, you know, like that. Now, if you've ever been in a family that has a marriage, the irony is that uh, uh, they decided that would be the weekend, but that's two weeks away. Two weeks ago, her sister got married. So, those poor parents have had two their first two out of four girls get married four weeks apart yeah. and uh, her dad 's a a professional christian counselor and and he says that 's of god uh, I, I needed that well, uh, tonight we want to talk about integrity and i I tell you those stories because my two sons are two of our best friends and uh, they have integrity that uh, I wished I'd have had at that age, and uh, they continue to be a testimony to us. Uh, but Fiona, my six-year-old granddaughter, was at our house not a while back, and they uh, had spent the night as they do. They're all local. They all pile in, and we, we, we have nights at the round table, which is we play games a lot, and we have a lot of fun. And, and Fiona uh, was up early that next morning and uh, her daddy was out in the uh, living room and there's nothing better than a little, uh, you know, sweet granddaughter and her early morning voice and full of energy and uh, yesterday's cares are gone and it's brand new world. And so she said, daddy, can I watch the baby channel? And he said, uh, no, no uh, sweetheart, after breakfast, you can watch the baby channel. Okay, daddy. And I'm thinking, that's my granddaughter. Oh, I had gone out to put on my shoes in the living room, and uh, so the bedroom door was open, and she beelined it to her favorite woman in the world, uh, and that's my wife, Grammy. And so we hear her from the other room, Grammy, Grammy, can I watch the baby channel? <laughs> to which my wife rightfully said, what did your daddy say? And there's a moment of hesitation, and then she said, maybe he said yes. Spiritual development needs to start early. (laughs) I was glad to see the plate of cookies, not for me, but uh, my my grandson's name is Gavin. He just turned four. And and he's a spider monkey, uh, imp personified. So much fun. Uh, His parents have trouble disciplining him because he'll just smile at him. They'll say, Gavin, he'll go, yeah? And he'll just look. He was in Sunday school just a few weeks ago. And uh, he was in the, third, uh, the three-year-olds, and he just turned four a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, so the teacher thought, I know how to pass out cookies to this group. Uh, how old are you? And the answer was three. And, well, you get three little cookies. And how old are you? Three. Well, you get three little cookies. And that went around the table. They got to Gavin. And how old are you? And he goes, six. <laughs> so we're hoping he goes into investments and... Uh, <laughs> business, but uh, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 37, 38, 39, 40, all the way to 50. Keep your uh, hand in that book, and I want to talk about integrity, uh, a foundation for trustworthy leadership. Uh, Because of my crazy week, and maybe yours, would you brow your head with me, and bless you, and... uh, She's had a tough week, too. It's okay. And uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, uh, the only thing of value that could come out of tonight would be if you would take your word and you would work in our hearts and in our lives with it, by your Spirit, as you would direct it for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. May uh, these, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and these who have gathered together tonight, may they hear the voice of the Spirit and not the voice of the preacher. Coming through the infallible, inerrant, wonderful, creative, authoritative Word of God, we ask that from the life of this godly man, who uh, lived a life that you saw would be worth it for us to know about forever. Teach us, we pray, and we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Clarence Edward McCartney said this, It is said of every man's life that it contains sufficient material for a great novel. If I was a writer, I could write a novel of, about Fiona and Gavin, and now we've got a grand new, brand new grandson named Rowan. And, uh, and, and we could write and write and write as we have watched. For some reason, it's more fun to have grandkids, uh, much more. And uh, when they act up, I just smile at my son and say, uh, it's payback, it's payback. I have the privilege of associating with some uh, great uh, men of God. Uh, Some of those are on your staff, who I count as friends. And uh, some I work with, some are on our board, some are on our faculty. Some are friends with whom I went to school with. And uh, uh, sometimes you get uh, one of those uh, great opportune moments to be blessed beyond your deserving, which God always does with me. And uh, one of our board members... uh, uh, used to lead interstate batteries. In fact, uh, still is a big part of that, obviously, Norm Miller. And, and Norm is, uh, has a partnership with Joe Gibbs, who uh, used to coach the Washington Redskins, and uh, they have a racing team, the Joe Gibbs Racing Team, and uh, the number 18 car uh, is theirs. And uh, uh, so I, I had the privilege of uh, being invited to, uh, by Norm Miller. He said, would you like to go to the National Day of Prayer? And I said, Sure. Uh, and he says uh, we're, we're going to fly up together, and I said great. And then he calls me. He said, "Would, would you mind if we had?" Uh, and he, he asked it just like that. Would you mind if uh, uh, the night before we had dinner with Joe Gibbs? And I said okay. <laughs> and we went to dinner at uh, at the restaurant there in Washington, which uh, is is. Uh, favorite restaurant and it's a famous restaurant and uh there's murals on the wall of joe gibbs and the washington redskins and the history of the redskins and so we're we're sitting there uh with joe gibbs and uh norm miller and a couple other people and all the time we're eating I'm, i'm i'm you know i'm in awe of norm miller but nobody knows norm up there everybody knows joe uh coach gibbs and, uh, and I'm just uh, you know, trying to take a lesson from Proverbs and keep your mouth shut, shut and just uh, ask questions and listen uh, to the conversation. And Fifteen times during our dinner, uh, Joe Gibbs was interrupted from his dinner and from the conversation with us because people wanted his autograph. But what I loved about it was not one time did he appear ruffled, and every time they asked for his autograph, he said, I'll, I'll sign that if you'll read this, and out of his pocket came his personal track his testimony of uh, saving faith in Jesus Christ. You know, 15 people got the gospel that night, and my stock in Joe Gibbs went high (laughs) in terms of uh, how he could have responded, like, don't bother me, I'm eating. He just used it as a platform and an opportunity to get the message of Jesus Christ out there. Well, that said uh, so much about Joe Gibbs, and I'm sure there's now a book beyond his testimony that's been written. But The story of Joseph in Genesis is a story of God's sovereignty and grace. It's a story of how God created a people for himself out of the unthinkable background of a dysfunctional, dysfunctional family. Uh, the importance of this account is seen. What, what I ask you to look at, and that is uh, the, the space that it takes up in the book of Genesis tells you it's an important story. In fact, the irony is that there's as much space devoted to Joseph as there is to Abraham, the father of the Jewish family and the father of faith. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Every time you make a choice, you're turning that central part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices All of your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing either into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. Uh, That for which Joseph is known by so many is borne out in the very title of our talk tonight, and that is he was a man of character and a man of integrity. A friend of mine, Warren Wiersbe, writes well in his book, The Integrity Crisis, A person with integrity is not divided, that's duplicity, or merely pretending, that's hypocrisy. He or she is whole, life is put together, and things are working harmoniously. People with integrity have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. Now, none of us have it all together. None of us have life totally put together with total integrity But the question is, is that our passion? Is that our purpose? Is that our goal? Is that God's plan for our lives? And the answer to the last question is yes. So I want to invite you to come with me on a journey through the life of Joseph. I want to show you the text of his story. I want to introduce you to a tool that helps us understand that account. And then I want to talk about some truths that if you and I let them, will transform and keep transforming our lives. First of all, just uh, if you've not read the account, I would encourage you to go home tonight and just read through it. It's a fascinating tale. But when you read it linearly, as if you've never read it before, uh, you're going to see some patterns. And in fact, let me show you those. There, there's seven parallel accounts that happen. And, and uh, there's, there's two accounts of conflict. In fact, in chapter 37, if you have your Bible open, you may want to just sort of let your uh, eyes go uh, past the, the chapter titles or the section titles. Uh, if you're a fast reader, and I know you all can multitask, so you may even want to read the story as we're going, if you're that quick. Uh, but uh, they, they hate him, they, they hate Joseph within the family, because uh, his dad showed favoritism. All of us have watched favoritism take place and we don't like it. But Jacob played favorites with Joseph, made him a coat of many colors, which in the ancient uh, world uh, showed honor and position, not just jazzy dress. And, and so uh, Joseph uh, it gets picked out by his, 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 his parents as, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're one of our favorites. In fact, you're our favorite son. And when there's 12 of them, that doesn't go over with 11 of them. And, and so uh, Jacob's, uh, you know, playing favoritism But also, Joseph has a dream. And he dreams that everybody in the family is gonna bow down to him. Now, how'd you like to tell your siblings, you know what, God likes me best? Mom and dad like me best, but God likes me even better. And in fact, all of you are gonna bow before me, and even mom and dad are gonna bow before me. And they don't like that at all. And so he has conflict with his brothers. And, and and because of that, and he has conflicts with his dad, and they depose him. They basically, uh, you know, make out like they have killed him, sell him to a band of slave merchants, the Midianites, and uh, they're on their way to Egypt. And so poor little Joseph gets taken to Egypt by the Midianites, and uh, they take his coat and put it in blood and come and say, uh, Dad, we're very sorry, uh, you know, br- Brother Joseph's dead. Uh Two amazing sets of conflicts back to back then there's back to back accounts of sexual temptation, and in fact, this helps explain what in the world is verse thirty eight doing chapter thirty eight doing in this whole story because it 's not about joseph it 's about one of his brothers named judah and and, and judah you know his wife's die and, 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 and uh, he 's left alone and his his uh, his daughter in law Uh, plays the harlot, seduces him, gets pregnant by him, and her name is Tamar, and she keeps his ring and his staff as evidence. Now, the irony is, in chapter 38, you have Tamar and the failure of Judah with Tamar, but in chapter 39, you have Potiphar's wife, who, pardon my vernacular, wants to jump the frame of Joseph because he's a handsome, you you know, hulk of a guy, And in fact, only four times in all of the scripture is somebody described as as handsome as Joseph. And Potiphar's wife, you know, puts the move on him. And uh, he leaves his coat in her hands and streaks away. And she keeps his cloak and uses that as evidence against him. But you have two accounts of sexual temptation. One in which there was failure and one in which there was successful rebuffing of that temptation. Then there's two accounts of double dreams. Joseph ends up, because of Potiphar's wife accusing him of molesting her, Uh, Potiphar's not too happy about that, and so he puts Joseph in jail. When Joseph's in jail, there's a butler and a baker. No candlestick makers, but a butler and a baker. And uh, uh, the butler has a dream, the baker has a dream. Uh, Joseph, being the one who dreams, and by God's ability, uh, interprets their dreams, and they forget he interpreted them and he's still left in prison. Well, then Pharaoh has two dreams. So you get a double set of, of dreams. Pharaoh has a dream of seven good years followed by seven bad years. And, uh, and, and uh, it, it's like the economy in the last couple of years. And, uh, and, and so he interprets them and ultimately gets out of jail. But you've got a double set of dreams. Then it's like you're hearing echoes, like, I've heard this story before you get two accounts of the brothers coming to Egypt. They make two treks down to Egypt, and there's a lot of mystery, which we'll talk about. Uh, they go back and tell Jacob you know, uh, we, we, you know, that they, they want Benjamin, and, and Benjamin's a younger favorite son now, that Joseph's in prison, and now Joseph's down in Egypt, and so they, we're not giving up J- Benjamin. Well, that's what we said. Well, they said, if we don't get Benjamin down there, you know, uh, uh, you know our, uh, we're, we're, we're gonna be, t- we're, we're in big trouble. So they make two trips double trips. The irony of them coming down, they, they, they end up bowing, just like the dream said, they end up bowing because they don't know Joseph is Joseph, and Joseph knows they are they. And so uh, Joseph doesn't reveal himself to them, but puts some money in their grain sacks, and then says, you're taking money from me. And Reuben says, no, 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 you can have my sons, but you're not going to get Benjamin. And they bow to Joseph the second trip, and he puts money in their grain sacks again. And this time, Judah offers himself as security for Benjamin. Here was the irony that God was working them over because uh, Joseph said, I I, I want Benjamin. And the way they had treated Joseph, Joseph sort of shows their character by saying, we're going to take Benjamin. And they're going, no, 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 you take us, you take our kids, you take anybody, but don't take my father's next favorite son. And the story is phenomenal. you got to read it if you haven't read it yet. Then there's two accounts of bringing the family to Joseph. Some of the family comes with the brothers. They end up weeping, and there's a joyful reunion. Then all the family, including the dad, uh, they get Jacob to come down during the famine, and the brothers and the family and their father, and they're all taken care of by Joseph in Egypt, and there's weeping with a great joyful reunion. It's like they keep telling this story, and there's like two acts to every episode, And they're really alike. It's a a linear way of echoing sort of an A-B-A-B pattern all the way through. Well, then there's two accounts of prospering. There's two accounts of prospering. Joseph prospers in his position of leadership, and he ends up being a blessing to Egypt. Jacob then blesses all of his sons, and they end up being a blessing, the blessing of Israel. Then there's two accounts of death. There's the death of Jacob, and Genesis finishes with uh, Joseph being in a coffin in Egypt. And you have the death then of Joseph. When you walk through this, let me me tell you why this is so much fun. I have uh, been studying the scriptures now for uh, about 40 years, and uh, (laughs) I I need to tell you, without hesitation and without exaggeration, I'm more convinced tonight. I'm more convinced in September of 2010 of the inspiration and the resultant inerrancy and hence the authority of God's word than I've ever been in my life before. Intense study and devotion to this book has not caused me to doubt this book. In fact, it's only reinforced my faith. When you read an account like this and you see the literary art that God the Holy Spirit asked Moses to write in a literary style to do double stories of the accounts in Jacob's Joseph's life. When you read it linearly, it's historical, but the way the events get selected for the scriptures out of that life become very intentional, and God took literature and history and, brought, and built theology through the scriptures, and it all comes together. Now, if you think that one is fun, That's an A, B, A, B, A, B pattern all the way through. There's also what we call the architecture of the text, or if you came to Dallas Seminary and that is God's will for your life. (laughs) Bill Bright had a little track that said, you know, know, the four laws. There's a fifth one. Uh, Dallas Seminary loves you, and we have a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) Wise people come to Dallas Seminary, okay? Great pastors come to Dallas Seminary. And we love those that go to other seminaries. And we'll teach them to love those that go to other seminaries too. No, we, we play with that, but we mean it. But then there is an A-B-B-A pattern. And this is like a giant hourglass where the outsides match the outsides, the insides match the insides. I've, I've given you that outline, and I want you to walk your way through it with me. And, uh, and this might seem like, oh boy, we left, you know, whatever we were doing to come hear this. But you have the beginning of Joseph's life, and then you have the end of Joseph's life. And that looks pretty simple, and, but I want you to listen carefully. In that section of 37, one to 11, listen to this for a moment. Joseph dreams that his brothers will bow down. The result is the brothers hate him. They can't speak kindly to him. And the text in that section gives us Joseph's age. Those four things, bow down, they hate him, they don't speak kindly to him, and you have his age. Guess what you have in the last part? And it's more exact in the Hebrew text than it is even in the English text, but you get Joseph's brothers bow down before him at the end of the story. They fear that he will hate them. He, in contrast to them, speaks kindly to them, and Joseph's age is given at the point of his death. Now, what I want to show you is this giant hourglass or inversion style. You have mourning in Hebron with the apparent death of Joseph. The story is going to finish down at the bottom with the mourning near Hebron, uh, that city near Bethlehem, for the death of Jacob. Uh, You're going to see the reversal of the older and younger sons of Judah in chapter 38 with uh, Tamar's kids, uh, where you have uh, 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 Perez, uh, who ultimately becomes the great-great-grandfather of Jesus, which is fascinating, that God out of tragedy can bring blessing. And then you have the reversal of the elder and the younger when, when, when Joseph uh, or jo- brings his kids to Jacob, who's uh, hard of uh, seeing, or uh, have difficulty seeing, and he's going to put his hands on them, and, and no, 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 do it the other way, but it does it exactly the way God wanted it to. And so you get this reversal of the older and the younger at the beginning and the end of the story. Joseph serves in the Egyptian court in 39. The Egyptians serve in Joseph's leadership in 47. There's disfavor in in Pharaoh's court, but there's favor in uh, Pharaoh's court at the end. Joseph reveals Pharaoh's dreams. That's what gets him out of prison. And and then the brothers come to Egypt for food, and the brothers come to Egypt for food. Now, the, the, the purpose of the Spirit of God guiding a human author to record something like this You've got poetical style in narrative of history. It's phenomenal when you think of how well that has to be orchestrated to get that kind of detail and you're not forcing the text at all. In fact, as I did with the beginning and the end, all of those have four or five features under them when you study in the original language that that shows you the the phenomenal work of the Spirit of God. Uh, The Spirit of God is as creative as you could imagine. In fact, it's beyond what you could imagine in the way he reveals the scriptures. This is just one passage out of 66 books. Just think what's in the rest of the Bible for you to study. Well, I wanted you to see this because when you get to the middle, uh, there's a the purpose for this structure is threefold. It, it, it boxes it, it, it frames it. It, uh, it, it. You have reverberation as you read through it. You go, I've, 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 I've heard something like that before. And it's designed for you to be able to remember it, therefore but it always focuses on what's most important. Well, I don't know about you, but when I look at the center and see the brothers come to Egypt for food, that's sort of a, a yawner. <coughs> Excuse me, that, that's sort of a, so what? Well, are you ready for this? The life of Joseph is only talked about twice in the New Testament. Once in Acts 7, in the speech of Stephen, and once in Hebrews 11, when Joseph becomes a part of the Hall of Fame of Faith. Guess what the point in the New Testament was? It was how God orchestrated the life of Israel, and especially Joseph, to bring Israel down to Egypt so that God could constitute a nation and redeem them out of Egypt as the grand portrait of redemption for all time. You'd almost think God was in charge. You'd almost think that. Don't think of it yet. But there's another way to look at it, and I've given you this chart as well, and that is that <coughs> with the architecture of the look look at this architecture, but it doesn't just break down at the macro level. Look at the micro level. Joseph's dream at the beginning uh, matches Joseph's dreams coming true with Pharaoh. The brothers' cruel treatment because of the dreams, Pharaoh's kind treatment because of Joseph's dreams. Tamar languishes in the father's house. Joseph languishes in prison. But right in the middle of that, the central part of that, is that story of Potiphar's wife jumping Joseph, and he demonstrates integrity. What do you have in the second half of the story? The brothers go to Egypt and bow down to Joseph. The brothers go to Egypt at the end of the story, and they bow down to Joseph. That which was the center now becomes another frame out. And watch this develop for a moment. The, the Joseph's great weeping, Jacob is alive. Joseph's great weeping because Jacob ultimately dies. Jacob comes to Egypt with the sons. Jacob blesses the sons in Egypt. And what do you have in the middle of this section is Joseph's leadership. As a great administrator, figuring out how do you store up during seven years of plenty so that you'll have enough food for not only your country but others to be a blessing which is a the theme of Genesis, to be a blessing in times of difficult times. So his leadership comes to the fore. Now, that's the background. Now we come to the message, and we'll hurry. I want to take you through, with that as a backdrop, it's Joseph's integrity that, pre- pre- that prepares him to have a platform for leadership. His personal integrity is critical for his public leadership. And I want you to, uh, to see five marks of integrity from the life of Joseph. And integrity is demonstrated when you and I make right choices at right times in five different areas. Number one, in how you and I handle truth. How you and I handle truth. And I want to give you a little principle with each of these marks, and then I want to illustrate it very quickly from the text. Standing for God's revelation, even if it means being rejected by others. Some of you are just showing up at uh, College Station. Some of you have been here. You understand what it means to take a stand for Christ in a, in a context of a university, in a university town, and in a culture like America, where others are rejecting that very truth. You will demonstrate integrity when you take a stand for truth, whether anybody else around you is or not. Now, I want you to think about that with regard to, uh, to, J- uh, to Joseph. Think about this. He was forsaken by his family, hated by his brothers, rebuked by his dad. Even Jacob, the, the father of the Israelite nation, who has these 12 sons of Israel, his name was changed to. When, when he's told that Joseph is going to be a leader and everybody's going to bow down, Jacob, the patriarch, blows off his son? You're mad. You're crazy. And Poor Joseph's going, I, I, I just had a dream. You know, God, God is the one that told me about this. You know, I, I just had a dream. What, what, what can I do? And so he he, he, he 's hated by his brothers he 's rebuked by his father. He, he was forgotten by his friends in chapter 40. The cupbearer and the baker he 's forgotten by them, and then he 's put into a fearful position before Pharaoh. Think if you were the finance man, and you go into the Pharaoh who's the emperor of Egypt, and say, "You know I, 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 you asked me to interpret your dream of you know these cows and this corn and this, you know this you know, and uh I've I got to tell you, the, the first part's really easy for me to tell you. You're, you're going to have seven of the best financial years in Egypt you've ever had. Then there's another half of the message. And that is there's going to be seven years of famine. Uh, think what the people are going to think. I think my thing came apart. Uh, th- think, think, think what the people are going to think of the emperor... The Pharaoh, when he has to tell the people, I had a dream, and it's going to be really bad for uh, seven years. I mean, it's not just going to be bad. It's going to be a famine in the land for seven years. You know, what a time to shave, you know. You could say, you know, hey, uh, and it's going to be good Next few years are going to be good. Next few years are going to be a little challenge. These are going to be great years. He could have shaved that thing. He's already been in prison. It's sort of like, I don't like down there. i got to tell him what's good. But he doesn't shave it at all. Didn't shave it with his, his brothers. Didn't shave it with his family. Didn't shave it with his friends. Didn't shave it with the Pharaoh. Are, are, you, are you willing to accept God's truth as God's truth, whether anybody around you accepts it? Or not. That's a mark of integrity. Number two. How do you handle trust? How, how do you handle trust? Uh, I define this one as growing into fitness for bigger things by being faithful in the little things. Now, Jesus said something about this. He who is faithful in the little things will be faithful in much. He who's been unfaithful in the little things will be unfaithful in much. But, but think with, with Potiphar. Uh, uh, turn, turn with me to chapter 39 very quickly. 39 verse, uh, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. And by the way, that's a, re- a constant refrain through his whole life. So he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. Now notice, this is a Jew in Egypt. Egypt. That's a significant statement by itself. It's a young man in an old man's world. Joseph found favor in his sight. He became his personal servant. He made him overseer of his house. And all that he owned, he put in his charge. And it came about from the time that he made him the overseer in his house. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. See, he was faithful in Potiphar's house. Well, he ends up going to jail. Look down at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. Now he's in jail. Gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. He's a trustee in the national jail. And he's faithful. Gets put into leadership. See, how you handle trust in the little things Will determine whether God can trust you with bigger things, a house, a jail. Third is with a nation. Look over at chapter forty-one. <coughs> chapter forty-one. Look at verse thirty-three with me. 41, 33. Now let Pharaoh, and here was the advice as a result of the, as a result of the uh, dreams. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and let him put, him put him over the whole land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take into account to appoint overseers in charge of the land. Let him exact a, a fifth of the produce of the land in the seven years of abundance. Then let him gather all the food in the good years that are coming. Store up grain the food for the cities under Pharaoh's authority. Let him guard it. Let the food become a reservoir for the land for seven years of famine, which the, will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seem good to Pharaoh and to all of his servants. Now look at the next verse. Then Pharaoh said to the servants, can can we find a man like this? I love this. In whom there is a divine spirit? Hello? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning as wise as you are. You will be over my house. I love this. This is fun. And according to your command, all of my people will pay homage. In other words, Egypt is going to bow down to Joseph. Well, that wasn't in the big dream beyond the big dream. Only the throne, only in the throne, I'll be greater than you. I love this. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set before you all of the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand. That's like the MasterCard. Put it in Joseph's hand, clothed him in garments of fine linen, put gold necklace around his his neck, had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee. And he set him over the whole land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, I love this, though I'm the Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. I mean, you couldn't sing Father Abraham had many sons if you didn't ask Joseph for permission. He was in charge of everything. (laughs) I love this. He said, you can have everything in the land. You can do everything. You just ride in chariot number two. I'm, I'm in chariot number one. I mean, think about that. He's over a house. He's over the jail. He's over the nation. Why? Because God knew he would be trustworthy. And I need to tell you, young people, uh, the, the secret of your success, biblically and even in business or ministry, starts right here. It is build trust through obedience in the little things. Build trust in the carrying out the responsibilities and the little things. You will not lack to have opportunity for leadership as you grow in your maturity with Christ. Faithfulness will get you everywhere. God wants you to be. It's, it's dangerous if you want something God doesn't want for you. But you'll never lack opportunity if you do it God's way. Number three, very quickly, temptation. Temptation. Go back to chapter 39... Back to 39. Temptation is this, and you'll understand my language in a moment willing to abort the cycles of desire to keep from giving birth to sin. Being willing to abort the cycles of desire to keep from giving birth to sin. It's a huge lesson that we need to learn over and over and over. But I want you to see this. Look at verse 7. It came about in verse in chapter thirty nine, verse seven. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, "Hey, baby, I'm sorry. That's in the Hebrew. All right, <laughs> uh, come come lie with me." But he refused and said to his master's wife, "This the boss's wife. Behold, with me here, my master. I love this." does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. Now how could I do this great evil and sin against God? she spoke to Joseph. Don't miss this integrity model here. She spoke to Joseph day after day. And he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Notice the protection. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household were there. Wrong thing. He probably should have known that one. She caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled. And went outside. And then she makes up a lie That he's making sport of me and he attacked me, etc., etc. And that's what gets him in prison, false accusation. I really think it's that passage that gave the New Testament writer the theme, flee youthful lusts. Flee youthful lusts. James 1 says this, beginning in verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I've been tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. Watch his description. But everyone is tempted, now watch the directions, when he is led away by his own lust, comes from within, and enticed, that comes from without. When lust conceives, it brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. So here's my advice, and here's, I think, the biblical advice, that you and I have got to build and build a capacity to to be willing to abort the cycles of desire to keep from giving birth to sin. Pardon my directness, you're old enough to handle it. The temptation itself is like an egg, and an egg will not be fertile without will not be, you know, germination will not take place, life will not take place, conception will not take place without the seed. And what he's saying is, don't inseminate the egg of desire so that you conceive sin as a baby you don't want. Abort the cycle before that happens before that happens, to keep from giving birth to sin. He modeled it very quickly with tasks. With tasks. Doing one's best even under circumstances that might be the worst. In the house, in the court, in the land, Joseph gave it his all. He used all of his ability, all of his ingenuity, all of his creativity. He was discerning, he was wise, he was a good administrator, but his leadership was built off the platform of character. And so a mark of integrity is how you handle the tasks that have been assigned, and we've talked about this. But doing one's best, even when you've got the odds against you. I don't know of anybody who had a ministry like Joseph. And it was just like one thing after another. Hated by his family, hated by his brothers, hated by his parents, hated by his you know uh, boss's wife, hated by his friends, uh, left to languish in prison. you know He's Jew in an, in an Egyptian territory. But he stayed faithful through it all. Will you? Will I? Finally, how you handle trials? He had undeserved attacks, unexpected adversity, untrue accusations, and unfair abandonment. The question is, will you and I be willing to trust the purposes of God while waiting for the perspective of God? C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences. He shouts to us in our pain. Joseph was a man of faith. He was a man of forgiveness. But he was a man of foresight. Turn with me to the last chapter, and with this I'll close. Genesis chapter 50. Uh, Before you go there, go to chapter 45, verse 5. Chapter 45, I want you to see this. This is when Joseph reveals himself to them. Pick it up in verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers in the middle of the story, I'm Joseph. Is my father Jacob, in other words, alive? And his brothers could not answer him. For they were dismayed by his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom, watch the language now, whom you sold into Egypt. (laughs) Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. By the way, that's the theme of every time Joseph's mentioned in the New Testament. That's the core Verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now therefore, watch this, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of his household and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Next verse, hurry, go up to my father's stadium. Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not delay. understand where joseph's coming from He, he, he 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 understood the perspective of god that god had orchestrated every single event and though they sold him and they betrayed him and they you know cheated him he says god was at work god was at work in my life all of us will feel betrayal all of us will be disappointed all of us will be hurt You may come into this room tonight and you've had a horrendous past. Turn to chapter 50. I would encourage you to read this whole thing again the next day or so, but look with me. Jacob dies in verse 15. I love this. There's humor in the Bible as well as tremendous, tremendous truth. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said in Hebrew, we're dead. That's a marginal reference. They said, what, 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 what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? And I love this. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, uh, your father charged before he died saying, thus you will say to Joseph. In other words, they're, they're telling stories out of court like, dad told us to tell you to be nice to us. Thus you'll say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg, the transgression of your brothers and their sin for they did you wrong. <laughs> That's a backhanded confession, isn't it? Now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph went out. Uh, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. That's the seventh time, by the way, he weeps. And that's an interesting thread throughout the story. A lot of tears, some of them for joy, some of them for sorrow, most for joy. Then his brothers also fell down before him, like, hello, deja vu, it's what uh, God told me you'd do, and said, behold, we're your servants. Now, love Joseph. He said to them, do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? Do I, do I look like God to you? I know I'm Lord of Egypt, but do, do I look like God? Am I, I, I'm not God. And look at what he says. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to here it is, bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You say, how in the world could you do that? Only out of a heart of integrity. Only out of a heart that uh, had faith. Forgiveness. Foresight. Barbie and I had the privilege of being in Edinburgh, Scotland this summer with a Reformation tour from our seminary. And it was in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland that a man by the name of Alexander White pastored for 47 years. Brian, 47 years at one church. That's a long span of faithfulness. And in his book, Biblical Characters, he writes, Joseph was now to be plunged into the most corrupt society that rotted in that age on the face of the earth. And had he not come into the pollution straight out of a sevenfold furnace of sanctifying sorrow, Joseph would no more have heard it, he'd, no, he'd been no more heard of, excuse me. The sensuality of Egypt would have swallowed him up, but his father's God was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph to protect him, to guide him, to give him the victory. The Lord was with him to more promotion, to more and more honor and place and power till this world had no more honor to bestow upon Joseph. And through it all, Joseph had become a better and even better man all his days a nobler and an even nobler man, a more and more trustworthy and a more and more trusted and consulted man, more and more loyal to truth and to duty, more and more chaste, temperate, patient, enduring, forgiving, full of mind, full of heart, and full, no man ever fuller of a simple and a sincere piety and praise of God till he became a very proverb, both in the splendor of his services and in the splendor of his rewards." you want that kind of blessing of God upon your life? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you for these. Patiently sit before me tonight. I pray that they, I pray that I, will so want your blessing, will so want your presence, will so want your character, that you'll teach us much as we pour over how you worked in Joseph because he's in Scripture as a model for how you want to work in us. May we continue to allow you to build into us an it- integrity which is the foundation for trustworthy leadership. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Mark, thank you so much for coming. Let's give him a. A nice thank you. <laughs> Dr. Bale will actually be here all weekend. He's going to the Aggie game tomorrow night. <laughs> and Mark, what they're going to say in Hebrew talk is beat the Gehenna out of SFA. They, they may not say it exactly that way, though. So He'll also be preaching at the... Uh, Anderson uh, Main Sanctuary Service, both the 9.15 and the 11 o'clock on Sunday, so you'll have opportunity to be with Mark and Barbie the rest of the weekend. Take your uh, programs with you, because you'll need them tomorrow to find your various uh, workshops the, as well as the space you have for notes. Workshops start at uh, promptly at 9, but you can come a little early. We've got some coffee and fruit and donuts and omelets, well, three of those four uh, will be there. But you can come a little early, but help us get you to your spot at 9 a.m., please. For the first workshop, that'll last till 1020. The second session goes from 1040 to noon. Make your choice tonight, please. I won't have an opportunity to be with you again. I want to thank you for coming before we go to our workshops tomorrow, and that's it. And we certainly appreciate your ministry, Mark, and and, and have thanked you. But I want to remind us all, and, and thank you for many of you are here tonight, the workshop leaders that will be, Uh, laboring in the morning. Uh, It's quite an array of folks. Just let me publicly thank all of them right now. Mark Bailey will be leading a workshop. Ben Stewart, Brian Fisher, Blake Jennings, Matt Morton, Brad and Susan Evans in their panel, Trey Corey, Sarah Malone, Jamie Bryant, Joel Mathai, Mike Schaub, Uh, Kevin Barra and the whole youth ministry team, Chris Pletcher, Holly Nelson, and Jacob Smith. God has put before us some some capable servants, and I want you to take advantage of those workshops uh, tomorrow. Remember, your theology track is moved from room 20 and 21 to the sanctuary, uh, and that's with Brian, Blake, and Matt, if you want to attend that, but that will be in the sanctuary. Uh, Let me pray for us, and we can be dismissed. Father, thanks again for the privilege to come and hear these things uh, from your servant, I pray that you might give us opportunity, not only this evening, but as the days unfold, to uh, to go back and, and see the wonder of the structure of the book of Genesis and the, the magnificence of the of the way you can tell stories and and weave truth into our lives. Thank you for being so creative and so powerful in that way. Thank you for the life of Joseph and his, uh, his really, he's in essence, uh, the savior of the plan that began with Abraham, and he, he's the, the hero of the book to me at least, so I thank you for him and his story and the the leadership traits that Dr. Bailey has brought out for us all. So as our rest of our evening unfolds and for tomorrow, we ask you to watch over us, uh, keep us safe. I pray now in Jesus' name, amen.